Welcome to Badgedamia, a podcast so educational two professors could be hosting it. Hi, I'm Dr. Danielle Dickenview, and joining me is Dr. Bill Pennyman. Welcome to Badgedamia, everybody. This week, we are both in Iowa. Uh, we both have solid internet connections, although we just got an email from IT that they're having internet connections at the university, and we are both ready for Thanksgiving break. D3, anything else we need to make sure they know we're ready for? Well, I am gearing up for my 2022 planner extravaganza. So, you know, I'm like here in a couple of weeks, December 1st, I'm going to put all of my plans for next year into my planner. Then I'm going to start a month of reflection on goal setting. So like, yeah, people should know that like I'm ready to get you 2022. <laughs> This is exciting. Uh, one thing we're not ready for is to announce the uh, winner of the rate us on Apple. And so we've decided to extend it until the Sunday after Black Friday. So Black Friday deal, you can still rate us. You have to leave some type of verbal, like written rating on Apple podcast. And then we will choose that Sunday. Yay. You look confused. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I was being a bad co-host and I just got a confusing text message from a student and I don't know which student it is. So it was more about it was more about that than the giveaway. That's fine. 28th. Present. I promise to be present the rest of this episode. 28th, uh, the 28th of November at 11.55. You have to have your rating in by. Um I had an email from a student yesterday, this going totally off topic, but it was like, I need to get into a class. Uh, and the professor said, I could, can you help me? And I was like, who are you? What class? What professor? And the student like came back and was like, I don't remember the professor's name. Um, and it is um, something about families or something. And I was like, so that's all of the classes in our department. <laughs> It was a fun email chain. Yeah, my text message has something to do with a fog machine, which is a little bit of a sore spot for me. Oh, yeah, so, I forgot. I'll have to I'll have to tend to this um, afterwards. I forgot the the um, fog machine. machine drama in my life. Um, the fog so, machine debacle of 2021. Indeed, I it it continues on. So. <laughs> okay, well, let's not dwell on that. Um, all right, question of the week. You ready? If you yeah. had one veto for a city to move to, so like you've met somebody and you're getting ready to to move, and you know you're like, I get one. What one city would you veto? Well, I'd veto when I was reading this and preparing ahead of time. I was trying to decide where to move. Oh. No, I like to be much more negative. I don't want to know your dreams. I want to know your, <laughs> your hard stops. So I think that I would really, really struggle with any of the super big cities on the East Coast. Okay. So like New York. Uh, yeah. And then and that's not fair of me because I've actually never been to New York. I've mm -hmm. been to Boston. And I love Boston. I've been to Philadelphia and actually considered moving to Philadelphia um, but I think I could do it, but I don't think it would be my favorite place to live. 
where I feel like there's a lot of other places mm-hmm. I could make, I could move and I think I'd really love it. Mm. I love play. I mean, so, you know, I think I can make it work. I just don't think it'd be my preference. I would probably do Dallas or Houston. I don't know if, I don't know if I could do either of those cities because of the people from Texas. Like I would move to like El Paso or San Antonio. um, But it's those big Texas cities. I just, yeah. I have some really good friends that live in Houston and like it. So Houston is not that far of a drive from Baton Rouge. So a lot of times you see people that live in Baton Rouge might like end up relocating to Houston. Um, I just think that I always thought that I'd want to live in a really big city Mm -hmm. and I actually love traveling to big cities, but I do not think I could live in a really big city. When I lived in Denver, it quickly like, and that's not even like a big city, but it's a bigger city. And it's like, it was fun to be there for about nine months. And then I was ready to come, you know, I was ready to move. Uh, It's like the traffic and Kansas city was good. I liked Kansas city. It was like the perfect size. Yeah. I think, um, I think also if it was temporary, right. Oh yeah. It's very hard for me to imagine like raising my kids where like we ride on the subway every day and don't have a car. Like that's very like so different than my own upbringing Mm -hmm. that it's like hard for me to even just like imagine or if like not having a yard. Right. Like that's really hard for me to imagine, especially with kids, Um, but lots and lots of people do it and they thrive and like have great lives. So um, it's just like so different than I think my own experiences have been. Not having to drive and not having to mow are some of the dreams in my life. Like some of the (laughs) things I aspire to rather be moving to a city where that's not an issue or becoming so rich. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. I, I have always lived in places where like very close to Mm -hmm. places that I have to be regularly. And I love that. So, you know, we lived near campus for a while and walked every day. When we lived in Baton Rouge, we biked almost all the time. Um, And I love that. And now we live really close to both of our parents and our kids' school. So we just don't drive very much. And I kind of love that. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of cities that you do have to drive in um, and that they do have a wonderful metro, though, uh, the folks are off to Minneapolis, St. Paul, where Michelle is from, um, and they start off on a one on one and she picks Joe. And my first thought with that was, isn't this a little bit useless? Like, isn't the whole point of this one on one to show Joe like the city and but he's from there. So. The thing that I was thinking is that maybe she chose him because it would give him a snapshot, like a really realistic snapshot of what it would be like if, you know, after this show, right? Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. So like on one hand, right, she's not introducing him to this place, but I also think that it's like the closest thing that maybe I've seen on you know one of the dates here where like it'd be like oh well this is really close to what life after this could be like right yeah i agree that's a good point 
in a, in a uh, incredible move of me getting older, I just had to increase the zoom on the outline for the episode because it was too small. <laughs> Life's coming hard, guys. Life's coming hard. <laughs> Um, so on this date, uh, they throw out the first pitch. Um, they go to her high school, they play basketball. Michelle says Joe is, uh, would have been her high school crush. I'm not so sure that's a good thing. Like, I'm not so sure the high school crush I had is the person I would want to be married to. You know, I was thinking the same thing that like, I mean, I think her reasoning for why he'd be her crush really made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, though I have to say, as I got older, the type of person I might crush on did change <laughs> dramatically. What was your high school crush? Like who was the, who was the high school, like what was the prototype for Danielle? Didn't uh, you tell me it was like an emo thing or is that a no? Did I make no, that? No, no, I dated, I dated a guy for most of my, most of high school um, who is just kind of like, I don't know how I would describe him. He's very quiet mm-hmm. and, um, you know, really wanted to live on the farm, you know, like, and, you know, not that interested in things like reading, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I mean, like, I don't know. He's, he's a nice guy. Um, just maybe, I don't know that as adults, we would have very much in common. Mm. But at like 17, 18, we could have a lot in common still, you know, like. So we talk about this a lot in my my dating research class, you know, the, the, the class that's on dating that like one of the big reasons people break up when they go to college is because they understand that there's this much bigger world and there's so many more interests. And again, you do best with people who have similar interests. And so one, you discover all these new interests and two, you discover all these people that are much more similar to you than the people from your hometown. But if you only stay in your hometown, you're limited by your interests and the pool that you can draw from. So the person who is most similar to you, like if you're thinking of it, of like a scale from zero to 100, this person might be like 100 being exactly the same as you, zero being not at all. This person might be like 50% the same as you, but um, they're the closest to you and similarities in your hometown. But then if you go to a much bigger pool, you have a much more likely chance of finding someone that's like an 80 or a 90. So you just learned a lot though. That was a know, great credit. Right? Off the cuff. Boom. Off the cuff. Look at you. Yeah. Uh, so then Joe discloses that he had a serious injury that derailed his basketball career. And him and I have a lot in common on this. I was going to be an NBA player, um, but then I broke my leg when I was five years old and that just stunted my growth. And so I stopped at five foot seven. Um, and then he had depression and anxiety due to it. He even said he contemplated suicide. Uh, they both cried and they really bonded over the shared athletic experience. They seem like they have a really good connection. What are your thoughts? I really like Joe. Um, I felt like their energies together seemed really well matched. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be able to have fun together, but they also seem pretty serious together. You know, they can talk about serious things. I think Michelle's very good at drawing that out of people. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think he's my favorite so far. I think too, just from a total like relationship researcher type perspective, like she has, he has the most benefits without having to give things up. Right. They have all these shared interests, shared experiences, but also he lives in Minneapolis or around there. And so there's not this like, well, do we move? Do I move? I mean, you can see how if they started a relationship, they would just kind of like slide into each other's lives. It would be like meeting somebody. And she even tried to at one point. So she already knew she had some interest in him. Um, Yeah. That's, I think, my only question with him is, I mean, he really does seem to like her, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But I, I still do think that I have a little bit of a question as to, you know, why did it take the show in some ways in order for him, you know, like, I think that he could have pursued this relationship without the show. Mm -hmm. It was not to, and he, he gives his reasons for that, but I just, I hope that he would like her outside of this. Right. Yeah, it does. I I think that's always going to linger a little bit, but I don't know. Sometimes you, you know, you're not feeling it right away, but then you come around on stuff. And um, I think probably the show is creating a bigger issue for him than if he would have just like, you know, fired back up and it's like, Hey, you know, I was in a weird place a year ago. Can we go get coffee? You know? So, and that way it might be making life harder for him. So. Oh yeah. I can't imagine being on one of these shows would be weird. Yeah. By the way. Oh, that's going to be reading- good. I am reading a book. Let me see if I have it. Yes, I do. I'm oh, your, reading... your clothis is much smaller than I thought. Like, um, I've never been able to get a sense of depth, but I, I always thought that was like, you had a good, like, seven feet. It's really small. And it's funny because I had a graduate student was at our house a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, do you want to see the infamous clothis? And he's like, yes. And he's like, oh, my gosh. I don't think I realize how small this is. And I'm like, yes, like this is a little cloth, cloth, cloth <laughs> and, and, um, I love it though. Cause it's kind of nice. Cause I'm like, Oh, what do I need? Oh, I need some pens. <laughs> like, you know? Um, but so a friend recommended this book to me, M- Melissa Dobosh, who's been a guest on here and it's nice. called if the shoe fits. And I am maybe like halfway through it right now. And it's basically the bachelorette in book form. And it's about a, um, I'm going to use the language that she uses to describe herself in the book. The main character is fat and on a, um, and is on a love contest show, reality show. And it is a great book and brings up all sorts of things about, you know, size discrimination mm-hmm. and just like, it's good. It's fun. Um, so if you need to read a good book, if the shoe fits by Julie Murphy is fun, I'll give you a final report in the future. <laughs> I like it. Fiction. Yeah. Fiction. Fiction. Nice. I don't even know where, where we left off there. That was, I always like an impromptu book review. <laughs> we're, we're like rolling with the impromptu stuff. Maybe we should yeah. talk about the group date. 
Was yeah. Other- okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the ultimate Viking group date, um, my favorite comment I saw was Kim co-host Kim who will be on next week. Uh, said those dudes totally work at the Renaissance fair and Shakopee every fall. So I thought this was just like her making something up, but no. So Kim lived in Minneapolis for a long time and there really is a Renaissance fair in Shakopee every fall. Yeah. I looked at it and it's a big deal, right? A huge deal. Yeah. My nope. best friend from high school lives in Shakopee. I think, by the way, I think it would be a beautiful place to live. So I'm just. Insane. Oh, there was going to be more to that. <laughs> I was no. taking a drink. Okay. I just think Shakopee would be a beautiful place to live. Shakopee uh, Commerce, um, you know, tourists, send us some, send us <laughs> some sponsorship money. Give us two free tickets to the Renaissance Fair, please. Uh, so they made them yell loud. Uh, they threw tree stumps. They ate fermented fish. Okay. So I dated a girl in high school and her family was like proudly Scandinavian. And every Christmas they would bring lewdfisk, which is like cod soaked in lye. And it's horrible. Everyone in the family says it's horrible, but they all eat it and talk about how horrible it is. And so I was like, as I was watching this, I was like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing here. It's like all the fish that they like when they came across the Atlantic, like the ways they kept it from spoiling. Um, And then all these Scandinavian people eat it and then like complain about it. But then they really want to tell you how they can eat it. It's ridiculous. Anyways, I'm I'm like generally a fan of these rituals that are kind of mildly awful. Uh I think that it's a really important bonding experience. Yes. Like, you know, oh, we're going to. We're going to do this awful thing together. Yeah. Yeah. I like that much better than like the men fighting each other or the women hurt. Like I like making them eat like disgusting things. Love it. <laughs> um, then they arm wrestled. Uh, which of those events would you excel at, Danielle? Which would be your like, you'd be like, mm, I got this. Um, I think I could probably throw a tree stump pretty well. Yeah. Like an ant. You know, I, I like look pretty small, but I can lift heavy things. Both Daniela and I are in a Facebook page called a group where we all pretend we're ants. And I'm not sure if either of us really participate or we just laugh about it. But yeah, I, I just really love some of the things that happen because of the Internet. You know, like yeah. the Internet can be pretty awful sometimes, but there's like little things about the internet that give you glimmer of hope mm-hmm. and the ant group is one of those things i think i would really absolutely kill it at any of the eating the weird things like that doesn't bother me i would i'm not sure if that wins the heart of the woman but i have a pretty pretty hefty constitution when it comes to things like that i think i could i mean i'm willing to try most anything but it would give me the eebie-jeebies yeah (laughs) yeah um so not arm wrestling um i you know i have very strong arms but i don't know if that their strength is best revealed through arm wrestling (laughs) okay okay i got it Yelling. I'm better at lifting tree stumps. <laughs> I think the thing with the tree stump and you saw it because that Chris guy uh, like threw, like he threw it the farthest. It's really about how well you roll it. Ah, uh, see, I think I could lift 
a tree stump and surprise people at how much I could lift given my small statue statue stature. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. <laughs> but I don't think I could throw it very far. But I'd be impressive in my lifting. I agree. <laughs> uh so not surprising or impressing uh impressive. Clayton, the young strapping square jawed football player, dominates the competition. So he gets one on one time. Okay. Um, so I felt like I was really like I said that very dramatically, but that's the only thing I have to say. Um, so then they talk about their love of their family. Um, again, he continues to be incredibly vanilla. Uh, I have a theory that he's just a robot made up of all of the like of the mean of every country song made after 2000. Like he's just I just I don't get it. I you know thoughts. I was very bored. That I will say about Clayton is that I do think he's a genuine person. Okay. Right. Like I don't. I think that many people are not necessarily on the show to find for, love for the right reasons. For the right reasons, right? Um, and I think I don't. I guess I don't feel like Clayton's there for the wrong reasons. Okay. I, I just, even during that segment, I was just like, I just don't know what's interesting about him. Like he just seems so like, like you could walk on any college campus and find like 15 Clayton's. He's very brawny. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just go into the tight end room for any football program in the country. And like, is there a Clayton in here? And like 10 would raise their hands like, yeah. I'm from insert weird name of whatever town you're from. And be like, what do you like? I like country music. And do you think this that is unfair the to franchise that's like, oh, we've like appealed to our liberal audience. Yes. Like, yeah. Letting like black people be on the show. And so they're like, we got to like really even this out by like finding someone yes. super white. Yep. And, um, very, very like Puritan wholesome. Yeah. Like, have you ever gone on like a weekend bender with your diet where you eat like, like just like Ethiopian food, you have like Mexican food, Thai food. And then like that Monday, you're like, I need a salad just yep. to like, really, I'm going to drink some kombucha and a salad. That is what Clayton is apparently. Uh, I don't know. Kombucha is like, that's a little too, you know, like that might be too jazzy. For, That's true. You know, yeah. I got, I, I'm with you on the salad part. You lost me at kombucha. I need to drink a diet Coke because I don't need the caffeine <laughs> and a salad. That is what, that is what Clayton is right now. He's, he's, he's my diet ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So um, thoughts on their connection? Well, whatever. Well, I'm, I like think that he's just this, he's like one of the contestants that's going to hang on because mm -hmm. he doesn't do anything offensive. Yep. But I don't think they have like a real, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris was annoying and complained. He didn't get any time with Michelle. He's spiraling. I'm here for it. Uh, any insights into his downward trajectory? Just that it's definitely, he's, he is spiraling and fast. Yeah. Uh, so then she gets a one-on-one -on -one with Nate. Um, he meets Michelle's friends on a boat on a lake. Um, and I feel like this is one of the most authentic, like hometown dates because I have family that are up in, uh, uh, 
not Minnetonka. I'll remember it in a bit, but they live on a lake and this is like all they do is like on their pontoon boat and they just putts around all summer. So this was very Minnesota. I also, Kim said they should have made them go to Minnesota in January because right now they're like, it's beautiful. It's like, yeah, you just wait. Well, I had this moment where I kind of had forgotten that they were in a different season. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, they're jumping into the lake. Oh. And then I was like, How are they not freezing cold? And then I was like, oh, yeah, Danielle, um, this is happening right now. Also, I feel like the show does a lot of stuff to make it like look like real life when it's not. So it wouldn't be uncommon for them to have like two interns like spraying hot water into the lake while they jump in. So it's um. <laughs> So uh, they talk about not being able to be themselves in relationships and being in toxic relationships. Uh, Thoughts on previous relationships and how it impacts your future relationship and communication. I feel like this is kind of like a, like a Danielle, like. I don't know. I don't know if I, I'm like trying to think if I know of research, I can kind of speak to it based on my own thoughts, right? That like, I do think that our previous experiences really sort of have an impact on how we perceive our current circumstances. And so um, it would make sense that that would shift also what you talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think sometimes too, if you're like, hey, this was a problem in a previous relationship, that doesn't mean that it will stop it from happening in the current one. But I do think that you can kind of move forward with a consciousness mm-hmm. about, about that red flag, I guess. So, um, but I wish that I knew some, you know, clear research. One thing that was interesting to me that I thought was like the theme of this episode was reciprocity. Yeah reciprocity and I was going to ask you Bill because like they kind of have a com they have multiple her and Nate have conversations about reciprocity you know Mm -hmm. sort of like oh I give and give and give and like and so one of the questions that I have because I think some of the drama with Chris Mm -hmm. at is also he's saying hey this relationship should be reciprocal and she's not reciprocating she kind of owes me this right Mm -hmm. and I think um So I guess like one of my thoughts was we do know from, I mean, and you could probably speak to this more clearly than I can, that like reciprocity is an important sort of thing in relationships, whether it's romantic or work or friendships, right? Mm -hmm. But like, how do you sort of decide that this is like an appropriate request for reciprocity? And when is it like someone feeling entitled to someone owing them something. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, that's a good question. So I think probably with Chris, the issue is that he's asking for some type of connection that she's not ready to give or not unwilling to give. And then in that case, the reciprocity, like it, it doesn't match. Right. So I feel like probably, and I don't know the definition off the top of my head, but reciprocity is giving an equal amount back to somebody for something they've done. Right. And so I feel like there's a, um, a perception issue between her and Chris, where he thinks he has given enough and he deserves X amount back and she's not valuing it at that. Um, but in relationships, so what you see with like her and Nate is that they have really good reciprocity. 
Um, and so he is giving her emotional information. She's paying him back with emotional information. And that's kind of how this works when you build a relationship. Um, we also know that um, people are happiest when they have equal amounts of give and take in a relationship. So I think Michael Buble made, wrote a song. I, I just haven't met you yet. And mm -hmm. in there, he says, I promise I'll give so much more than I get. And I always tell students in class, that's a recipe for disaster. Like it's a good sentiment in a song. And like, I'm going to, you know, do everything you want. And I'll never expect anything, but like <laughs> that doesn't work out. Right. Like we really, what, when relationships work is when people feel like they are getting as much as they give, um, in things they value. And so back to that, we've talked about the, um, love languages and how there's not really evidence specifically for a love language, but people want to have things that they value. And so mm -hmm. the other thing is like, um, so for example, like, you know, you, you do X, Y, and Z for your husband, right? Cook his meals. He loves it. And then he goes out and buys you a diamond ring. She didn't really like jewelry. Right. So it's not really reciprocity, right? He gave you something that he values, but it's not something you value. Right. That makes sense. And so we find that in communication too. So right. like a lot of times around communication, like women want to have not just, but when you look at the research, women tend to have more um, emotionally like revealing conversations. So they talk about their feelings better. They're better at supporting each other. And men tend to be much more likely to have conversations around fixing things. And so sometimes the issue in reciprocity between men and women is that men feel like they're being reciprocal when a woman says I had a bad day at work and then being like, well, just tell them to stop it. It's like, it's not really what they want. What they want is you to say, man, that sucks. Like that's horrible. I, you know, um, so that's kind of the other part yeah. of reciprocalness. Right. I went, so I went on a full tangent. I really like that. I mean, cause it's an interesting thing to kind of think about that you're not really trying to match the test. So it's not like me telling you, say, I made you this many meals this week. So you need to make me this many meals. It might be that like, I sort of offer in my relationship, you know, the meal making and maybe you offer emotional, you know, like, you know, so it's like, exactly. you know, that it's like, it's not necessarily task for task. Um, Adam Grant has a book called Give and Take mm -hmm. um, that I really, really like. And in it, he kind of talks about givers, takers, and matchers. Mm -hmm. And he kind of talks about how, like, some of the traps that you can get in as a matcher. Mm -hmm. The matchers are really, they're great givers, mm -hmm. but they almost always expect something in return. And I think what's hard about the show, too, is that time is so yeah. condensed that like a lot of times too in relationships the reciprocity isn't like okay every 24 hour period we're gonna be exactly balanced right <laughs> yeah but, like it's, it's like over time you feel like there's some sort of like equality in yeah. the relationship but you know he kind of talks about matchers and workplaces sometimes can get really resentful because they do give but yeah. they have expectations yep. of being matched. And then when that doesn't happen, it can cause resentment. So I don't know. Yeah, I no, that's, I, I think that probably happens in relationships as well. You know, I, one of the interesting things is like, we are much better in general at being um, reciprocal with our friends 
than we are in relationships. And some of that's just because when you, you know, intertwine yourself with someone, there's just no way to kind of do the accounting that you can do with friends, right? Because you kind of hang out with your friends, you have a couple of weeks with your spouse or your significant other, you're there all the time. But like, you're much more likely if your friend does something nice for you to be like, I'm going to make sure I do this because I know they like it. But what we find in relationships is after a while, people just take stuff like that for granted. And they're not very good at saying like, Ooh, you know, my spouse did this, or my boyfriend did this for me. And I know they really like this. So I'm going to do that for them. Um, so sometimes that's where people run into issues. They, I know there's a lot of books on, you should constantly date your partner, right? You should, should treat your partner like you did when you dated them. Um, and I don't know if there's evidence for that, but the point essentially is you should do nice things for your partner and they should do nice things for you. And well, you know, I kind of think about the longer that you're together with someone, right. Mm -hmm. Trying to create novel or peak experiences Mm -hmm. becomes more challenging. Like you said, like, because, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that in some ways, like when we had kids, um, it was really difficult at first, because we were so used to having all of this time, just mm-hmm. the two of us. On the other hand, it made it easier for us to feel like we had special moments. So like if right. we get to, if Ryan and I get to go out and have dinner, just the two of us, that feels really special now where like before we might have dinner together once or twice a week. Right. And so like, what's kind of an, in, I mean, like, so it's like an interesting sort of shift in our relationship. We're like actually having, it's harder to have moments together, but when we have moments together, it's easier to make them feel special. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of Danielle and Ryan get to go to Seattle for what, like four days yeah, on the university good. dollar for a conference, which is faculty speak for I'm going to go to two sessions and then I'm going to do fun stuff. Yeah. I'm like pretty excited. Um, cause I think we, we haven't spent very night, many nights away from our kids. And so it what are you going to do when you, what are you going to do when you don't have a kid like kicking you in bed? Like, how are you going to, I'm actually a little worried that I'm going to have, so I sleep with my daughter, Ada uh-huh. and Ryan sleeps with Harper actually. And we should probably like start shifting them to their own bed, but y'all like, we both kind of love it. Yeah. But like Ada sleeps with her head on my belly and it's like, and she's so warm. (laughs) She's such a good cuddler. I actually like love sleeping with Ada. So like, um, I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to have trouble falling asleep. Oh, wow. Without like, you know, like we're in a routine, but I also probably won't get peed on, which is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) i love it uh okay so then um chris interrupts uh so nate they have this uh nate and michelle have this talk and then chris awkwardly interrupts and i feel like everyone was like oh man this is not gonna go well um are there any Chris fans out there like if you are a chris fan like let us know i want to know about it I just can't imagine, like, it was really cringy. I, I don't know if he said anything that anyone's like, you know, even like when you have a real, a villain on the show, there's always like a couple things they do. Like, he's just like the worst, uh, but he interrupts. He says, um, you know, 
He thinks Michelle's making the wrong decision. She says she was caught off guard by a speech. He said she was being fake to him during the group date. She says uh, at that point, you know, I don't need a man to speak for me. And all of America stood up and like slow clapped. Uh, and then she told Chris goodbye. Parting thoughts. I just, I think my favorite is that he does this really intense thing. He interrupts a one-on-one, right? And I mean, I do, I have lots of questions about this too. I'm like, how does he know where they're at? How did he get to them? Like, I, so I have some questions, right? Oh yeah. The Um, producers were behind him. Like, go, 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 go. Like, like, take a right here. Um, I, I was also just like, he, he pulls her aside and then he has like this moment where he's like, oh, like, what is it that I needed to say again? (laughs) (laughs) And then as he talks, he has to make it a big enough deal to have just interrupted her on a one-on-one. But then like doing this, I'm like, how do you think this is going to work out in your favor? Yeah. Like you have to know that you're just walking the plank, right? Like, I think he knew he wanted to go home and it was like, well, I'm going to do it, go all out. But so I have a question, like, what do you think about her and Nate's connection? Um, I think Nate needs to take off a few pieces of jewelry. First off, like he's just got like a necklace, like two mismatched earrings, a nose ring. I just he somehow pulls it off. I don't. He's like, a handsome guy with pirate jewelry. I disagree. I'm like, I'm a pirate thing here, like right. We got the plank. Now we got. I don't know. I just feel like like he would be really good looking. He's just trying too hard. He's got like too too many pieces of jewelry. But I digress. I I don't know. I can't quite get a sense of it. I feel like she feels like she should like him, but I don't like the difference between her interaction with him and her interaction with Joe is like night and day. And when I watch it, but see, I'm worried that like, I feel like she has a better connection with Joe, uh-huh. but that like she has chemistry with Ooh. me that is like, so like she keeps saying things about Nate that make me feel like he has an edge on Joe but then when I see her and Joe together, I think her in relationship with Joe like seems stronger. I would agree. Yeah. Hmm. So like, I'm worried that like, she's gonna, you know, pull a Hannah Brown and like, not that I think that Nate is a Jed, but I think that she might like, she might be in this position where she's choosing between the two and she's going to go with the wrong guy. Ooh, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think those two are the the two end guys. I think it's, you can see the trains coming down the track and Clayton's like the third place guy. Only because that's the only thing that makes sense to us. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like what if Clayton goes home next week? Like, are we just all going to be slack jawed? Like- I, yeah, I will be. I'll be like, I, this guy has done nothing to make any. Yeah. <laughs> other than just having a very square jaw and being good looking and, being about as vanilla he's like a politician like he just like no opinion i don't know i i think i like clayton better than most politicians though that's true (laughs) 
I think so. So I don't know your high school boyfriend, but I feel a little bit like this is like a weird, like Clayton kind of symbolizes your high school boyfriend a little bit. Oh, they're nothing. They're nothing. Really? Like. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, no, no. I mean, yeah. So my, so I also, I did have like a crush on this. Well, so he was my first kiss, actually. My my friend Jake, if he's definitely not listening, but hi Jake. Um uh we were like best friends, and he's maybe eh, he's not like Clayton either, but like he was at least like really into athletics and stuff, mm-hmm. like more of a jock, I guess. Okay. Um, but in a very different way, Clayton. Well, I misread this situation. No, my high school, he he was really good at um. He was really, he was more like really quiet, probably in some ways more like, um, hmm, more like the character on the notebook, which Elaine hates the notebook, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the character Nick is like this quiet kind mm-hmm. of masculine guy that like likes nature and stuff. That's okay. more my high school boyfriend. Okay. Who also slept around a lot. <laughs> That's another story. We're we're really getting deep into Danielle's uh, history here. <laughs> it's I've like dated like three boys, so like it's it's we I can We've say got- a lot about three people. <laughs> okay, on to the cocktail party. So uh, Michelle has positive interactions with Rick, Brandon, Rodney. She has a really awkward conversation with Martin. He goes off on Miami girls being high maintenance and Michelle kind of challenges him, which I really appreciated. She was like, what makes them high maintenance? Why is that not high maintenance if it's a man? And he says, women tend to be needed. Women need to be taken care of way more than men, which. Y'all, I'm so disappointed in Martin. I thought that I had misread Martin, that he kind of looked like a turd. (laughs) And then like, I was like, oh, Maybe. Language, Danielle. Language. <laughs> Calling people turds. He then I was like, maybe I've misread him, and he's like this thoughtful person. And then it's just like Martin is becoming my next villain. Yeah. And Thoughts on on the communication, like between him and Michelle. I thought it was really interesting. Like I applauded her that she challenged him. It wasn't just like, yeah, I guess. Yes. And his answer was terrible. And I just am blown away that he didn't get sent home. I thought for sure he was going to get sent home after that. You know, it's bad when you go to the other guys and like try to explain what you were trying to explain. It's like one, those guys will like, they're very happy to throw you under the bus the next chance they get Two, like, why are you trying to convince them? You know, I. I just, I don't know. I got lots of questions about Martin. Yeah. I don't think Martin's making it much longer. Um, I think just between this and the question over him supporting, what's his face? Like the guy that looked like he was like 45. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I just think it's, it's Dunsey. Yeah. Uh, So the roses go to Rick, Olu, Brandon, and Rodney, Casey, and Leroy go home. So we have Rick, Olu, Brandon, Rodney, Clayton, Nate, Martin, and Joe left. Who's your front runner? Who's your dark horse? 
So I think Martin's going to go home soon. Um, probably Olu too. I just don't think that they have as close of a relationship. They're I mean, definitely setting up an Olu Martin. Like, I, I feel like there's going to be a two on one date with those two. That's where it's heading. Cause Olu keeps saying Martin's a snake and yeah. He is. Yeah. I mean, I, what's interesting to me is like Rick and Brandon are these are kind of question marks because I feel like she's had these really, and maybe even um, Rodney, she's had these really good connections Mm -hmm. with them, but like, I don't feel like it's quite as strong as her connections with Joe and Nate. Rodney was adorable by the way. Yes. I think Rodney's the dark horse. I feel like he, uh, he could come out. Yep. Like he's, he's slow burning, but I feel like it's like, it's starting to heat up. Yeah. I, Rodney's got a smile too. Yeah. He's the guy that like, you don't immediately like, but then, or the person you don't immediately like, but then after someone dumps you and they're really nice, you're like, Oh man, like I should have been with that one to start out. Yeah. Rodney, Rodney's good guy. Good people. He's good people. We've never met him. Running good people, man. You're good people. Uh, so lessons learned. Oh, I, I feel like there's definitely a lesson in the Chris situation. You know, maybe I recently saw a post. I think it was by. So I'm talking about Adam Grant a lot on this episode too. Yeah. I'm a fan of Adam Grant's work, though. So Grant um, or Brandt? Grant. G. Um, like the president. Yes. Yes. Um, he's right now he's kind of known for his book. That's kind of big right now is think again, Hmm. but he's an organizational psychologist and just does some cool stuff. Um, but he was kind of talking about mature. He has like a post that was talking about maturity and it being, you know, knowing when you speak, (laughs) what, you know, is on your mind and when you keep it to yourself Mm -hmm. and that not all the time speaking your truth, like don't confuse speaking your truth with speaking your ego. And I feel like, I feel like Chris S could use that lesson. I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, my lesson, Danielle has had a rollicking date life and I'm just glad that we got no um i think it's important to know what your partner likes i know i've said that before like find out what your partner likes and do that find out what they don't like and don't do that and you're you're on the track for a very happy relationship um but yeah i think don't just assume you know what your partner likes you know have that conversation um so yeah brian and i'm I'm working on trying to talk Ryan into, you know how I want to have a slumber party with my girlfriends where we set goals. Yeah. Like I want to also have a slumber party with Ryan (laughs) where we set goals. Um, and I think that part of it is just, you know, making sure in a relationship that you're on the same page and that you can kind of plan things together. And I think that that would be a good opportunity to like dedicate some time to, Here's what's important to me. Bill is like, Bill is trying, he's judging me so hard. No, no, I I think this is great. I think it's very important to be on the same page. 
I'm not sure if a slumber party is needed. Well, I, I, you know what you just did, Danielle? You went so academic. This is like when like at our job, when they're like, we're going to have a retreat. It's like, don't you lie to me. You're going to have a really long meeting where I may or may not be fed. I feel like you just turned a slumber party into a working meeting with Ryan. Okay, so what I think is hard here is that not everybody like loves planning like planning is a hobby for me it's something that involves stickers and hot tea and like it's a cozy it's a cozy fun thing for me and so for you though it sounds like a meeting yeah and that's why I'm trying to convince Ryan that it would be fun to sit around and set goals with me and I think maybe you just you just go reciprocity and say hey this is what I like to do and I would really appreciate it if you do it with me and then you can choose something that we do oh yeah so like maybe while we set goals he can like choose some fun food for us to eat you know that like that would make it more slumber party ish for him. You're not dropping the slumber party thing, are you? <laughs> God damn it. This is going to be a planner slumber party, whether he likes it. Or not. You're going to show up to his office with like sleeping bags and like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that was so, fun. I just like the idea of being young again. <laughs> All right. Next week, I won't be here. I'm going to be in Ireland. So we have co-host Kim and potentially, potentially another guest, my lovely wife, Elaine, although I don't know what state she'll be in. She may not shower. She may not sleep. Who knows now that I'm not home. Huh? You're gone because you're gone. She's just, yeah. Who knows? Maybe I've been ruining all her fun. Maybe this is like, she's going to be crazy. (laughs) She. Go crazy, Elaine. Go Go crazy. crazy. (laughs) All right. That's all I got. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Batchadamia with your hosts, Drs. Daniel Dick McGew and Bill Henniger. All opinions expressed on this show are solely the opinion of the person who spoke them. If you like our podcast, please consider following us, leaving us a five-star rating, and a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your friends, family, and other ardent Bachelor content lovers. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at batchadamia at gmail.com or on the Twitter with the handle at batchadamia. Thanks for listening.